mine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs> Yesterday's price is not today's price. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back, Engulf fans, to another Preferred Lines podcast and live stream. My name is Joe Idoni. At Tour Picks is where you can find me on Twitter. And I have an absolutely incredible show lined up for you tonight to cover our second signature event of the season uh the top players in the world are going to be taking on pebble beach this week i'm excited to break that all down have an awesome course preview we're going to bring a fantastic guest on making his second appearance on the show and it's been quite some time so super fired up to talk to him in just a moment uh before that Wanted to mention this show is proudly presented to you by the team over at Rotoballer. That consists of Joe Nicely, myself, Spencer, Model Maniac, all the boys, as well as Matt Miller and a bunch of other guys producing fantastic content. They have a promo code right now, new N-E-W. If you are not currently a subscriber to the Rotoballer team, I would greatly appreciate it. That promo code is going to get you all access to everything PGA. For less than $5 a week, in in my opinion, is the best value deal in all of the content uh, space. So I hope that you will enjoy that promo code. Less than $5 a week, N-E-W is the promo code. Also, I have to mention, um, if you're here, you need to be in the one and done contest that I'm running this year. This is my first year venturing into this. I'm going to show you what it looks like now. Um, If you have not heard of Splash Sports, you think you haven't, you probably have. They purchased Office Football Pool. They purchased RunYourPool.com. All of those pools, I was a part of them. You've heard the nightmare stories. I know the one um, last year, there were Venmo accounts being frozen, money being seized. This is 100% legal. It is all run directly through the app. I do not hold any of the money. If you go to the SplashSports.com homepage, you will see this on there. There's also a link in the description to this show on YouTube. Um, Click the link. The app is super clean as well to use from your phone. Um, This is sort of the payout structure if we're able to fill it. It looks like we already got 44 people in there. Okay, we still got three days to go. I'm confident that we're going to get there. Payout structure, first place, a little over eight grand. Paying out the top 10 places. Make sure to hop in there. That would be like people ask me for real all the time, like how to support the show. I try to give back to people. I try, I sent someone a bunch of free swag last week. I gave away 200 bucks the first week of the show. Um, This is how to do it. The show is hundred percent free support the stuff that I'm kind of involved with. And I greatly genuinely appreciate that. If you want to jump with the team and Rotoballer, if you want to join the one and done contest, that means a whole ton to me. And that would be awesome. Um, now, without further ado, welcoming back on to Preferred Lines, one of the absolute, I just tweeted this out, but like, I know Chad is super fired up for it. There are so many people that have sent me private messages uh, that they are excited to get this guy back on a YouTube screen talking professional golf. You know him at EPAC Golf on Twitter. Welcome in to Preferred Lines. Let's talk Pebble, Eric Patterson. What's up, brother? Let's do it, Joe. Yeah, happy to be back. Thank you for having me. It's like you said, it's been a while. Your setup definitely didn't look like this the last time uh, I, I was on the pod. So um, you've come a long way. It's looking sharp. So yeah, happy to be here. Happy to talk Pebble. 
Thank you, man. Uh, like I mentioned, you've been one of the people who have been doing it for so long, one of the OGs of golf Twitter. How have you, Eric, kind of seen like big picture of the space sort of evolve since you originally started here? Do you feel like people are more into it now? Is it a bigger reach in terms of an average fan and linking that with betting? Or are we still a long ways away from anything you see at the score in other sports? Yeah, that's a good question about the other sports. I mean, yeah, based on what we do at the score, golf is still pretty niche. Like football just completely dominates. There's obviously no, there's nothing really coming close to second. But in terms of like golf Twitter, it's, it is crazy. I started doing this yeah, maybe like 2015, 2016 with like Kenny Kim and and uh, Rick when he was running his old site. Um, Forget yeah, it's been so long to think about, but there are just so many more voices, so much good information. It, I mean, there's guys coming up left and right now that have have good stuff, and um, I guess, and this is maybe where like what happened to me. I kind of fed into the, uh, fell into the background a little bit, and and kind of lost myself there, and and jumped ship to the the trading team. It just part of me just didn't think I could really compete with like some of the content creators out there. So um, I I did like that daily weekly grind, you know, breaking down odds boards every week and and doing that, but. I actually jumped on the other side of the other side of the screen and, and was the bookie for a bit, which was also fun. So, yeah, now I'm I'm back into the streets, uh, yeah. not really producing as much content, but um, definitely uh, got my my golf hat back on and excited to talk pebble. Um, but, yeah, it's a uh, it's been it's been a long journey. But, um, yeah, there's just so many guys like yourself, like Kenny, like what Rick's doing with CBS. It's crazy how far people have come. Yeah, man. I mean, I've tried. I've reached out to you probably the last two years to get you on the show, and I know that you couldn't do it because you were on that other side of the trading desk, like you mentioned. Um, the score bet is obviously live there in a section of Canada. It is the same partners with Penn, who now operates ESPN Bet. Um, so it's nice to have you back in the content game. Let me ask you sort of about the the PGA Tour and the status in general. I talked with with Andy Lack a few weeks ago, and we kind of had the similar conclusion that the tour's biggest asset may be its depth and the drama that it's able to create through such depth. Um, you look at the recent batch of winners. We're a month into what was a tumultuous offseason of players bailing, of merger agreements, of lawsuits being dropped, of sponsors being out. And we get the first month of the season and we have winners that include Chris Kirk, Grayson Murray, an amateur, and now Matthew Pavon why are we getting these results? I'll just leave it there. Why do you think this is happening? Yeah, that's a good question. Everyone's going to point to like the watered down PGA tour, but like you said, the depth, the churn that they can create and they're trying to create at the bottom of all these up and comers, you know, they're picking Pavon, for example, one of the better guys on the European tour, picking him up. Um, obviously, uh, Nick Dunlap was a USAM champion. So they, they're able to get him a sponsor's exemption. It just shows that, these guys waiting in the wings and in college, we've seen it with, uh, you know, Aberg turning Aubert, I guess is the proper pronunciation, turning pro so quickly uh, and winning. Um, that's just something that the PGA tour is always going to have. If they keep their current system, that next man up type system. Whereas if you, you know, if you close it off, you're not going to have the Dunlaps of the world who are now like, I don't know, hundred to one in an elevated event, which is pretty respectable for his, Absolutely. you know, I don't know. I mean, exactly how many starts he has on the PGA tour, but it's no more than five. That's for sure. So right. um, they have to lean into that at the same time, trying to elevate their superstars is what they're doing. And with these signature events, so they're, 
it's a bit of a tricky spot to, you know, talk about your depth where, you know, a lot of people really only care about the, the top 10 players in the world. So um, yeah. you do have to create those stars, but those stars do have to come from somewhere. And if the PGA tour is that spot, then I think they're in a, they're still in a strong position. It's funny. I think that there is a necessary balance sort of between the two where the tour needs its stars. It needs its stars to win and win a lot. But there's also a compelling sense of drama when you see something like Dunlap was able to do a couple of weeks ago or Grayson Murray go, get into his, a playoff and be able to sort of take out Keegan Bradley and other top players. But ultimately, you want your Scotty Shefflers, your Rory's, these guys to sort of grab the reins on the tour. It was interesting. I think all of last season in whatever 42 events there were, there were three winners at over 100 to 1 odds. This season, yeah. we've had four events and all four winners come above that price. Is this the week or do you see something sort of the tide coming back to regressing to the norm at some point or here, or is this kind of the reality of what you envision that the 2024 season being like, I thought last week would be that, that, you know, that change of direction, just because Tory Pines is kind of set up for those longer bomber U S open type winners. Um, I thought Obert could be there. I mean, Hoygaard's pretty solid. He was in the mix, but I, it's gotta be this week. I think everyone's kind of, you know, those four stories are great. I'm, I'm sick of seeing, you know, the lineup of the last four winners, all like 152, 300 to one. It's like, all right, we need a, we need like a 20 to one, 18 to one that we can all kind of get behind maybe a couple of them battling it out. But yeah, it's, it's time for one of these big boys to step up and, and win because I don't think I could handle my, my poor. Actually, that's one thing I've, I've ventured into the top twenties, top tens this year. So I'm not, I'm not doing terribly chasing these winners, but like, Right. The outright market, everyone's just these sports books are just completely raking right now because it's just yeah. incredibly unpredictable. So, yeah, it's t it's time to uh, turn things around here. They're completely raking and they're effectively giving the winning player odds of winning at less than one percent each of the last four weeks. One hundred and fifty to one is like point seven five percent. Five hundred to one is point two percent chance of winning. And they're not getting beat by it because we're not finding them as betters for the most part. You know, the other interesting element that takes place this week and why I think the tour will be very much hoping for one of these big names winners is is Liv begins their season this week. Kind of a, a weird offseason for Liv. Um, they momentarily seem to have reached an agreement with the PGA Tour and DP World Tours before that deal stalled. Then they took the PGA Tour Player of the Year. They went and took the DP World Tour Player of the Year. And grabbed Tyrrell Hatton this morning at, at, you know, OWGR ranking of number 16. Do any of these players actually increase their exposure of sort of moving a needle from a, a viewership and popularity standpoint, do you think? Man, yeah, I haven't. So, so when I stepped away from golf content, Liv showed up and then I took those yeah. you know two years off. So it's been actually refreshing for me to not have to talk about it on a weekly basis, but John Rahm is a huge loss. There's no doubt about that. Like he's arguably the best player in the world. He's now playing on a different tour. That's not the PGA tour. It's just, it's baffling to think about how far we've come. And that's the current situation of the game. It sucks for us fans. Like you imagine if Rahm and, you know, Cam Smith and DJ and Brooks were all teeing it up at Pebble this week, it'd be unbelievable. But yeah, we're, yeah. we're getting robbed. Um, yeah. In terms of live, like I tweeted this out this morning, like, does Rom even have an official team? They tee off in four days. Like what I know it's Legion 
XV, whatever, 13 with probably hat. And it's all just rumors. It's crazy how they just don't know anything officially. Um, I bet you the general sports fan doesn't know live season starts this week and John Rahm's about to play golf, like under a new league. It's, it should be one of the top stories in sports, but it just, no one cares about live in my opinion, like the, the golf itself. And I think the off season kind of showed that because like, I mean, Matt Wolf got traded for the player of the year on live. Like if the golf matters, you're not making that deal. I don't care what you're, how good Matt Wolf could be. It's just Mm -hmm. stupid trade. It didn't make any sense. Um, so until they take their own product serious, I don't think how can like any fans kind of take their product serious. So for now, it's just going to be a poaching game until they can get to the table and make an agreement. Um, is grabbing, you think that grabbing like the three top players that they were able to get this off season, do you think that helps or hurts their chances of, of finalizing this agreement to merge? I saw this morning that the PGA tour is getting multi-billion dollar investment that doesn't include PIF. Um, right. so like, right. Yeah. I, it just, if the PGA tour wants this to end, they got to, at some point, make a deal with the PIF as unfortunate as that is, is, you know, after bashing them for so long and then making that handshake agreement and then now they're going away again. It's just, I don't know. The state of golf is in shambles to be honest. And it just couldn't, you know, the masters can't come soon enough when everyone's together and we can kind of stop talking about two tours and focus on the tournaments that really matter but um yeah i'm i'll i probably won't watch live because i truthfully i don't have the live account to to sign in and watch it and it might be on tv up here in canada but i'll be interested to see how rom does but after a few rounds you you might he's either going to be destroying the field or he might just pack it in like some of the other guys on that tour but um i'm not overly interested in in seeing how that season unfolds you know i've I've watched a good bit of it. I went to a live event in yeah, Miami, actually. Um, I I feel like while reluctant, I was maybe a little bit more open to the reality that this is where this is happening and, and, and trying to sort of, you know, be able to be knowledgeable and produce some content around it. I think their TV deal sucks. No one knows when they play. These are their biggest hurdles that no one really watches, and they haven't figured out any way to make the team element compelling whatsoever. But they have great players. And if they can sort of lean on that, like if they're if Maya Koba comes down to the stretch and it's DJ, it's Cam, it's Rom, and it's Brooks, and it's Tyrrell Hatton, like all top five, and we end up getting like Pebble that's that's you know, Steven Yeager versus Denny McCarthy and like, a, and a couple of other guys, then um, it could eventually become a problem. And I think that it, it, it accentuates like their willingness to come to the table with something deal worthy. Like it, it, the PGA tour, I think needs to get a lot of these guys back in their events. There's some of the personalities. What about Anthony Kim? Like, is this, this guy I do think is a needle mover. And I think that people, I think you, Epat would download the Live Golf app if Anthony Kim was playing in Vegas in two, in what is it one week? Yeah, he's in Vegas next week. Um, yeah, it's his only option, right? Is to join Live. Like he can't try to come back and play in the PGA Tour. He has to go to Live and take the payday and take the insurance payout. And it, that's the only path that I really see for him. But I wonder how long until that wears off if he's not 
the player he once yeah, was, which like, has to be impossible. He's taken a, a – Jeff Feinberg brought this point up, and I'll give him credit for the, for the point. Like, the aura around Anthony Kim is the fact we have no idea if he's still any good. Like, we, we saw him yeah. when he was a young partier, you know, just shooting whatever he shot at Augusta that one day and playing on Ryder Cup. Like, that's the last lasting memory we have him. If he comes out and shoots, you know, 75, 75, and he's at the bottom of the live leaderboards, like, okay, he's just kind of washed up. Like, a lot of 30-year-old, 38-year-olds who have been at a professional golf for a while. So yeah. he would be taking a giant risk in terms of, I mean, he better get he better get a lot of money. I think that's just kind of like he, he's going to have to get a lot of money um, to, to kind of come back and do that to himself. Like he's going to be under a, a tremendous spotlight. Um, yeah, I'd probably tune in to watch Anthony Kim play golf. But if he's, he's not any good, then I'll probably turn the page pretty quickly, too. You're right. It's going to last for maybe nine holes. And if he's yeah. four over par, it's over with. But um you know, they've they've here's one thing that I will give them credit for. They've totally adapted in many ways fast. Like it takes the PGA tour years to make any sort of adaption or progression. And Lib just live just like on a whim just adds another team. They've now added these individual spots where players can play without a team. And I think that that's that's Anthony Kim. Like they created those spots because there's no place on a team for Anthony Kim right now. So if he wants to come and play four events a year, they're going to let him in the field because they want the viewership numbers. Now, an interesting thing last year, and, I, and I'm interested in your opinion on this because I don't know how true it was, but Liv effectively did not have odds in the majority of U.S. states operating sports books and odds. From my understanding, including Florida, I still don't see odds up now. Um, from my understanding, they failed to complete the necessary paperwork that in layman's terms basically said this is a this is a fair contest and it's not predetermined or fixed a la professional wrestling and they didn't sign or return the paperwork so they were only available in like new jersey and las vegas but the majority of states didn't want to touch it how did things do you have any insight on that from your from the score perspective or from Penn or or what's going on and if any progress has been made there this year yeah like uh, in the earlier stages, we were always Ontario has pretty relaxed betting rules. Like we can offer a lot of things. Um, some states definitely have a lot more strict rules on what you can and can't bet on. Um, and one of those is uh, there's like a company called U.S. Integrity that basically it's like a third party company that um, does a lot of investigations into max match fixing and you know making sure all these every event and tournament and game being played is legit. And a lot of sports books rely on them heavily. Like if, if they allow it, if they deem it like a, you know, an un, like a regulated, you know, by the book type operation, then they'll offer it. And apparently live wasn't, they're just tough to track down. They're not, as you can tell, yeah. like their communication is not the greatest from what I no. can see. Um, they got a lot of balls in the air trying to, you know, figure out their format, what team ROMs on and, and responding to an email from, you know, U.S. Integrity might be not at the top of their list. Um, but apparently they've reached a deal or there's one coming or okay. live U.S. Integrity is, um, you know, researching it or looking into it or whatever it might be. But it does sound like it's in the pipeline. Um, okay. But like there's no odds up for them right now because the field yeah. list hasn't been released. So right. it's Good just point. one of those things where their priorities are different than us from a, a gambling community. Like we want to see the odds. They're just like, we, we just want to try to put an event together. We don't care if someone can bet a hundred bucks on who wins this event. So um, I think it would, it would boost their viewership tremendously if they, you know, 
realize the audience they could have. But for now, that's yeah. just not a priority. I've argued that point as well. One of the things that I think boosted the PGA Tour viewership numbers last week, and you know what else it allowed us to do? Okay, so they went Wednesday to Saturday. I don't think that's a terrible idea throughout the fall swing or throughout football season, basically till the end of the Super Bowl for them to pivot toward that schedule. I also love the fact that we got odds for the next event on a Sunday. You were one of the first person to tweet it out. So we get odds out over the weekend and we can kind of start doing our research on a Sunday and that Saturday finish. Also, I thought was great. They do it this one week at the farmers, but I think that it should be something they, they, potentially embrace next season throughout the fall swing it gives us another weekday to sweat golf from the office uh, what was your opinion on it do you see that as a, a positive thing that could happen for the tour i think the one-off week it doesn't work just because it throws the cadence of the rest of the year off but if you start jan one at, at, at uh, the century and say you know we're doing wednesday to saturday and until I guess the waste management, because you kind of want that Sunday finish right before the Super Bowl. So maybe that's the first event of the year where right. it's a traditional Thursday to Sunday. But once people are used to it, I think it's great. Like you said, like it's an extra day in the week. It makes that Wednesday go by a lot quicker when you got something yeah. to pay attention to. So, um, yeah, I think it, I think they should definitely lean into that. And like, I mean, college football is huge down there, too. It's not as important up right. here in Ontario. So I don't mind the fall swing having golf on the weekends. but um, I also think you could you could avoid the NFL beast again in, in the fall. And I think the players might appreciate it, too. I don't know. They might like a yeah. Sunday off once in a while. Um, so, yeah, I think they should definitely lean into that a lot more. Um, OK, one more question before I get to sort of the course preview. This event has changed a little bit this year. So we, we ditch Monterey. We're now down to two events at Pebble and Spyglass. And apparently, um, from my understanding, there are going to be no amateurs playing alongside the professionals on the weekend um the way my brain works i think this is an avenue for course setup officials and superintendents to potentially take a few more chances on pin locations and make the course play a little tougher you know it sucks because pebble beach there's probably more 20 by 14 pictures in hallways of Pebble Beach than any other course in the entire world. It's iconic, it's historic, and it's been overtaken over the last 25 years by distance and power. So for them to be able to create a little bit more of a defense for the course this week in terms of letting the rough grow up on the weekend, not cutting it down on, on Saturday morning, uh, creating some, some drama through pin locations and potentially a more difficult setup for the pros, I think could be great for this tournament, especially given the signature event status. Um, is that? Do you read that into maybe the changes to this event being a, a possibility this week? Yeah, I didn't really think about the difficult, like the difficulty of the event. But you're right; like they can actually use some tougher pins and, and let the rough, like you mentioned, grow on the weekends. Like that's the the pro am aspect of it. They don't want these businessmen and, and celebrities getting their asses kicked for for three rounds. So to do it. I guess they're only playing one round of pebble now. So you could definitely, you know, one round of spyglass. Yeah. One round of spyglass, one round of pebble. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, I think that's uh, actually an interesting point. So you might not see the winning score. I, I don't want to, I don't want to guess. I mean, the, the weather's going to play into a factor too, because right. apparently it's not going to be that great, but I just pulled up the winning scores. It's minus it's in the high, high teens. Um, yeah. for the last, you know, since 2016, it looks like Snedeker in 2015 was, 22 under so 
I mean, if there's a, a winning score bet out there, you could probably be able to tell it after round one, you know, how, how hard the course is actually going to play. So that's actually an interesting angle. Yeah, you're right. Remarkably consistent winning score. Justin Rose minus 18, Hoagie minus 19, Berger minus 18, Taylor minus 19, Phil minus 19, Potter minus 17. Like six years in a row. That's pretty remarkably consistent. Um, let me go over to the course preview. I'll give you a couple more of my notes. All right, so like you mentioned, we're going to be at Pebble Beach the entire weekend. Uh, 6,960 yards, spyglass barely a little bit longer, just over 7,000 yards. Typically plays more uh, difficult than Pebble Beach, albeit pay close attention to the weather. You mentioned it. Um, I would imagine that they do preferred lies both Thursday and Friday this week. Um, it's been extremely wet over the last two months in this area of the country. They're expected to see more rain this week. I would imagine you're going to see a ton of plugged balls in the fairways and very little rollout. So um, both courses, maybe that makes them play a little bit longer, but overall they're, they're really short. Look, you mentioned the the consistency of winning scores there, I think is an interesting note. You Here's the thing at Pebble. You got to crush the first six holes. Um, there are three par fours in that stretch that average 370 yards between the three of them. Those are easy holes. Two easy, gettable, eagle-op par fives are in there through the first six holes. So you've got to go, in my opinion, a minimum of three under through those first six if you really want to compete Holes 8 to 14 are a little bit tough before it sort of relinquishes a bit at the end there. Um, in my opinion, from, from previous year's notes, um, off the tee prowess is largely devalued at this event. Um, you don't hit a ton of drivers. On a good day, you may hit as many as nine. On a day where you, there are some players that will hit six or seven. Um, the fairways are really wide. Accuracy isn't a huge deal because you can kind of be in the rough. There just isn't like like holes number eight where you have the cliff there. There just isn't a lot of advantage to having extreme off the tee like elite ability here. Um, smallest greens on tour. You're going to hear a, a ton about it. But I will say the greens and regulation percentage here is actually higher than tour average. Um, the reason being you're hitting wedges almost all day. You're more accurate with a shorter club, and it's easier to hold those greens with a shorter club. So um, you hit more greens than you would at the farmers here, even though they're only 3,500 square feet because you're coming in with pitching wedge and nine iron versus four and five iron. There's 116 bunkers at Pebble, which like just in my mind, thinking about the course, it seems like a lot. That's like six per hole. Um, I don't remember there being that many bunkers, but it's a ton. There's obviously one gigantic water hazard that is the Pacific Ocean. In terms of approach shot distribution, 45% um, of your shots come from 75 to 150 yards. That's well above tour average. You're going to want to pay close attention to how your players perform in that range. But the sneaky one, Eric, is 200 to 225 yards. I think that you should implement this in your models if you're making those and consider them because... That's essentially your approach shot on all the par fives, which you have to score on. That's going to be two of your par threes. And whatever club you hit, 215, 220 yards, you're going to take that club off the tee a good bit here in my like it's in terms of my theory. So if you're really good with a four iron, 
Um, you're going to use that club a lot and feel very comfortable off the tee. And then you've obviously got to have a hot putter here. You look at what Nick Taylor and previous winners have done. I mean, just look at the, like Denny last year has had great course. Look at the two best players at this event over the last 10 years. It's Jordan Spieth and it's Jason Day, arguably the two best putters over the last 10 years. When you zoom out very long term, um, you got to bring a hot putter. Those are kind of my my cliff notes on this event. Do you have anything in particular to add there that you've noticed? No, I'm going to I'm going to let step back and let you take that. That was great. Um, Yeah, like you said, like just the the people that can win here. It's the the wedge players anytime tom hoagie's near the top of a leaderboard that's probably a good indication that it's a it's kind of a wedge fest um chipping and putting and yeah you don't you don't need the you don't need to bomb and gouge it kind of like what we thought was required last week it's almost a complete opposite of tory pines in my opinion yeah. um so yeah it's uh it brings a lot more players personally for me that i wouldn't typically target into the fold um we'll get to those guys in a second but yeah jason day jordan spieth I'm looking at the stroke gains over the last few years. Maverick McNeely, you know, elite putter. Yeah. Bo Hostler, Denny McCarthy. It's 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 who we expect. You know, Peter Malnati. I know those fields yep. aren't as strong as they are now, but it's um, kind of a it's a definitely a shorter hitter's paradise from where they can they can definitely play well. Let's look at some guys in the board. All right, we bring in the odds checker grid. Top of the board this week, you have Rory McIlroy coming off a win in Dubai at eight to one. Scotty Scheffler is eight and a half to one, just a hair above him. Victor Hovland is 12 to one, who won the US Am here. Xander Shoffley, 14 to one. Jordan Spieth, 18 to one. Max Homa, 18 to one. Patrick Cantlay, 20 to one. Those are your group of players that are all under 20 to one. You mentioned it right off the top. You know, it's interesting because you have those guys and names who consistently come to this event, and some of those guys aren't Rory. They aren't Scotty, but they show up here this week because they're obligated in a sense too for this signature event series. What do you make of the top of the board? Is there anything interesting here to you or a guy that you that you like up top? I mean, for me, when I look at the top of the board, it's it's how, why why am I going to cross him off? Um, I mean, you just harped on how important putting is, and you know, if, you know, Scheffler has got to be one of the worst putters in this field right now. So he's a he's an instant cross for me. I mean, he could definitely win it, but at plus eight fifty or plus eight hundred is just it's not it's not happening um same with rory like obviously fantastic i'm not going to say anything bad about him but it just the price is it doesn't do it for me um the first guy i would maybe consider is hovland but again i just i, I like some of the value you can find for to hovland at, at 20 to 1 so it's it's easy for me this week to to kind of pass over these first three four guys um, before I have to start making some decisions. But like I said, it's probably going to be, or I'm, at least I'm hoping it's going to be a battle of these big guys. So maybe I should just, you know, back one of them and, and hope that, you know, Rory's in the mix and he can win. Yeah, I, I listen, I hear what you're saying. We're due for that week and we're due for a Scotty Scheffler, like four stroke win or a Rory, but it just doesn't. Not at this course. It, it just doesn't, doesn't feel like it's at this like, course. If this was not a signature event, there was 0% chance either one of these guys would be here this week, in right, my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I made one bet. I'll talk about him in a second. But there is an interesting dilemma for me in Hovland and Shoffley, right? 
I've seen a lot of people on Victor today. Um, Ryan texted me this morning. He's on Victor. Um, it's I can't do it, Eric, and here's why. Like when I I want to look a little bit at recent form, and when I take a snapshot of Victor Hovland's last 12 rounds played professionally, you've got to go back nearly 150 days to get his last 12 rounds. For Xander Shoffley, you need to go back 21 days. Um, I love the fact that I've seen tournament reps from him and just the unknown of Victor scares me a little bit. He's Xander statistically the best iron player in the field from 75 to 150 yards. And he's better than Victor in that range and at 200 plus. Now, Victor's the best iron player when you look at 150 to 200 yards, but you don't hit nearly as many of those shots this week. He had a magical week at the USAM, of course. Um, but I, I just kind of think a lot of people cling on to that. Look, if you look at the U.S. Open, which doesn't show up in these numbers, Xander finished T3 here, and the only players that he lost to aren't in the field this week. It was Brooks, and it was Gary Woodland, and it was John Rahm. None of them are here this week. Um, he had the best round at Pebble on Sunday at the U.S. Open of any player in the top 15 on the leaderboard. Surprise, surprise, right? Xander storms to a T3 finish on a Sunday. But, like, what's realistically – Xander's floor right now like 10th he's he's just easily finishing top 10 and I would normally and I have done this to be honest and knocked him for not finishing and closing the deal but it just feels like it's like keep knocking at the door man and if somebody's got to open it up he's playing so well he likes California maybe a little weight off his shoulder leaving the leaving the farmers and Tory where he didn't get it done but the guy lost strokes putting last week the farmers and still finished like T9 so a lot of things clicking for him i'm really really considering Xander Shawfleet does that like do you or are you going to go Victor there if you had to pick one of those two no, you make good points. I think, yeah, I didn't really realize how little golf Hovland's played. I, I, you're right. He's just only played the century. And everyone, I mean, for some reason, I guess this goes back to even the U.S. Open. It's like just because he won the USAM here, everyone's like, oh, he loves Pebble. It's like, well, he's probably the best player in that field by a long margin. And he's top five player in the world now. So it, it makes sense that he would win a tournament there. So, mm-hmm. um you make great points on Shoffley playing well. Like you said, he's keeping knocking at the door. I just, it seems a tad short when I can go down to like Morikawa or even Patrick Cantley. Like, I feel like Xander and Cantley have been the same price in every tournament yeah. since they, like, for the last few years. Um, they're kind of right in this same range. And if you can get a 20 on, on Patrick Cantley instead of paying 12 to 1 on Shoffley, I, it's not like I'm going down to a player who hasn't played well at this event. He's actually someone who does show up at this tournament. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he has a, a handful of top five or top 10 finishes here too. So uh, can't lay you mean? Yeah. I can't lay that. Yeah. Uh, two, yeah, I think he, top fours in the last three years here. So, so I mean, maybe he benefits from the, the slow place of a pro-am and if they're getting rid of them uh, two pro-am rounds on the that. weekend, that's not a, a great thing. Um, the same thing can be said about Jason Day, just kind of more methodical, do like the five and a half, six hour rounds. Um, so maybe the maybe the less rounds with uh, Josh Allen and the boys hurts their yeah. hurts their chances. But I, I'm I still haven't made a decision at the top. I, I was hoping to come on here and and get some clarity, but I, I am starting to lean towards Cantley. Um, I see a twenty hanging there, so yeah, that's probably where it's I a would really go. good number. It just, it's, it's a really good number on Cantley. Yeah. 
when I took a look at the board, I just thought he might be in, you know, 14, we're 14, 16, 20. It's, they're all pretty short, but when you got to put a little bit more down at those numbers, it, it does make a difference. So Cantley jumped out to me this morning at, uh, at 20 to one. Absolutely. It jumped out to me too. I couldn't pull the trigger. I've watched a lot of them. Um, something is not clicking, I would say, with his approach play. There were a lot of times at the Amex where he had short wedges in that he was like leaving himself 45, 50 feet for birdie and looking extremely annoyed. Obviously, the finishes have showed as well. Like yeah. I'm I'm with you. Like I link Xander and Cantlay together. Anytime either one of those guys gets to 20 is when I'm starting to like, eh, I, I might need to just like blindly bet this guy. But Xander's unequivocally played so much better than him to start the season. Um, the guy for me, and I, I did get a 20 this morning. I bet Jordan Spieth. Um, okay. Here's the thing, Eric. It's a couple of things. It's a bit of a gut and a bias play. But I also think that if this was not a signature event, um, he's probably the favorite in the field because he's the best player that shows up. And we always go back to Pebble every year in the past and would harp on sticky course history plays like play Mav McNeely, pay Kevin Streelman, like just play these Pebble guys, Denny McCarthy. Like these are the guys who eat it up here. And Spieth has the best course history of anyone in the field. He's played it the last 10 years. I think he has six top tens and obviously the win in 2017, I believe is the year that he won. I think he looked really good at the century and he get he's putting it much better at both the hero and the century. He made some comments at the hero that he radically sort of changed his off season approach and was putting way more focus and work into the beginning of the season and starting hot. And I think a lot of players are, cause I think people saw like what happened to like Justin Thomas, for instance, last year, and you go through a three, four month stretch where you lose it. And all of a sudden you're out of the top 30 and it's become more competitive than ever with, you know, the FedEx cup fall swing. So I really think that he put a, a, a lot more work and preparation into starting his year off strong the year that he won pebble. Um, he finished third at the century that year. So he finished third at the century this year. Maybe that's a little note for pebble. Obviously the putter getting sort of looking much better at the hero and century was a positive sign for me. He gained nicely on approach there. And this is just his kind of golf course. And I think like, the Super Bowl, for instance, you know, the NFL conspiracy theorists are out and like the NFL, it was written all along. They, they, and it's true. Like, who did the NFL want in the Super Bowl? Chiefs and 49ers. Those are the two yeah. teams they've wanted in the Super Bowl for six months. Who does the PGA Tour want to win this event this <laughs> week more than anyone? It has to be Jordan Speed. He's the needle mover of the PGA Tour right now when he's in contention. Casuals watch. You want to go head to head with Liv and you want a big name player who better than Jordan Spieth this week. I'm going to take the 20 to one. I would still take an 18 out there and may grab some more. But I think that number could float up a little bit this week because I've heard a lot of Homa. I've heard a lot of Cantlay. I've heard a lot of Morikawa and just haven't heard much around Jordan. But um, this is a spot that he loves and he wants to be and has all the history to back it. So um, I think it's a fair number. He's my guy at the top. Yeah, that's you make good good points. I'm not typically a Jordan Spieth better. Um, Me like either. I, yeah, I just he just doesn't fit the ball striking models that we all probably tend to run yeah. very similar type. But 100%. this is definitely the course or, or a tournament to to target him at. 
Um, I'm looking at the exchange, which is something I picked up while I was um, on the trading side. He's the fifth shortest on the exchange right now where you can get him at uh, 20 to one. So, I mean, if you're getting a 20 to one in the market, uh, Spieth is probably a, a fair bet at that price. Not a lot of times he can actually make a fair bet with a sports book. So <laughs> if you do yeah. find a 20 on Spieth uh, and, and you like his chances, I would recommend that. Um, you're talking about wedges and I, I, maybe I should have pulled this up before I jumped on, but Justin Thomas is playing pretty well. And I, I just saw a 28 on, on my fan duel up here. So 28 yes. to one on JT after, I mean, the Fortnet doesn't really count because it was in September, but a third at the American express, kind of a yes. shorter wedge type, not driver heavy, uh, set of courses. Um, he doesn't have a ton of experience at Pebble, I don't think. So that maybe doesn't help him. Yeah, he hasn't played here much, but right. Um, it's Justin Thomas. And if he's playing well, 28 to 1 seems pretty fair to me if he has turned a corner. Um, so my eyeballs have actually just started to look his way. Agree with you there. Um, 28 to 1 is a very fair price. I, I'm on speed. I may go up and grab. I, I'm trying to figure it out, but I may grab Xander up top, which would eliminate me from this middle range, but that is absolutely a fair price. There are 22s. There's an 18 to one out there, but the 28 to one, it looks like is available now at FanDuel. Um, you mentioned it. His wedge play is the strength of his game. One interesting thing to note here, and I remember back to the year that Phil won, and I remember this a good bit from Brooks at the U.S. Open as well. Pebble, when it's very soft and the conditions will be that way this week, Players had the tendency to hit these wedges into the green and literally spin and rip them off the front. Um, the greens are kind of typically sloped back to front. And while they're slow, something about the way that they react with the spin, they really can sort of like rip them back. And what Justin Thomas does and what Phil talked a lot about when he won is he was like taking these like dead armed like nine irons yeah, yeah. In from like a gap wedge range and like three quartering it and taking all the spin off of it. And it was just hitting and stopping. And particularly when they set up Sunday with those back pin locations, it was impossible for a lot of players who play with a lot of spin to get it anywhere close to the back of the green without going over and into the rough. JT does that really well. He can kind of dead arm three quarter wedges and flight them really low and get them to spin excuse me, not spin, but take that one hop and stop, which could be very advantageous this week, given the conditions that I expect the players to have to play in. Um, anyone else, Eric, in this sort of middle range? There's a bunch of good players in 35 to 40. Fitzpatrick, Finau had a good week, although don't get me started on what it looks like on the screen, but he had a good week. Uh, Cameron Young had a nice little week in Dubai. Sam Burns is here off blowing a lead to Nick Dunlap. Sungjae, Fleetwood, Benny on Jason Day. Any of those names pique your interest? Uh, yeah, I, I jumped on a 45 on Fitzpatrick this morning. Um, not to, to brag about getting closing line value, but I just it maybe it's because I've I've liked his chances at this tournament before, and it, it seems like a Fitzpatricky type course where it's you know chipping and putting and, and irons and not, not not a lot of driver. You don't really picture him, although he hits it far. He's not one of those bigger bigger hitting guys on tour. Um, so I did, have, I do have Fitzpatrick uh, mainly just because he's, he's kind of a really good putter and it's, it's like him, Spieth and Jason day. I'll kind of play that similar style of game in my opinion. And I, I bet just the two guys who are a lot longer odds. Um, I got it. I think it was like a 50 on day. So 
I'm happy with that. Just with his course history, the guy loves this place. He yeah. seems to play well. He, he didn't, I think he missed the cut at the farmers last week, which is, uh, is what it is, but I, I think he's just playing a lot better. Um, and I'll trust him at a course that he seems to just be in complete love with. So uh, top five machine here, I'll take my chances on day at, at 50. Um, but again, you know, that, that chipping putting style of player that we're, we're trying to target, um, and kind of avoiding the, the cam youngs of the world who are going to, and, and I guess Finau and of that, uh, ilk where they just bomb it away and you kind of picture them winning at more of like a, a big boy course. So, um, I'm on Fitzy and day. I, I'm not like in love with them. I just thought the numbers were solid. So I went with it there. Yeah, I actually took Jason Day as well. At I actually got forty to one, so I may re up at the fifty. Um, exceptional, exceptional course history. I mentioned Spieth has the best here. Jason Day is not far behind. He top tens it all the time. He just has ne- he hasn't won, um, but he is one. I looked at this kind of number and the the fairways that you hit at Pebble, you're going to be in a lot of them. You don't have to take driver often. They're really wide, and he's been one of the best players in the field at strokes gained approach and shots from the fairway recently. So he's going to be in the fairways a lot. He's going to be able to lift that ball up, put it down and hopefully stick his wedges close on a place that he is extremely familiar. Um, Lean on that course history. I'm okay with the missed cut last week. Uh, Plenty of reps early in the season, which I like to see for Jason day. And I, and I did kind of look at this. We talked a little bit about it with Victor and there are some other guys in this range, like Fitz. We haven't really seen that much, but I looked at who like the players who had won here and granted the field strength was way different in these years. But um, when Justin Rose won last year, he played three events before this to start his season in January. Tom Hoagie did the same thing. Sony Amex like Daniel Berger played in three events leading up. Nick Taylor played in three events. These are all in the month of January before this event. So this was their fourth tournament to start a new year, which has me concerned about those players. Like, like Rory or like Scotty, who we just haven't seen nearly as much of. Um, I like to see those tournament reps under the belt, which is one of the other reasons why I, I like in Jason day at, at 40 to one. And if you can grab the 50 on Fandle right now, I think it's a great price and it probably doesn't go any, any higher than that. Yeah. I think the, the market will probably be happy with fifties for the most part. Like you said, yeah, that's a good point on the uh, the number of reps. I mean, Rory's, Rory and Fleet would have been dueling it out in the Dubai desert for a yeah. while. They both have a win, but um, just just feels a little different. I think I'd rather have seen them play, you know, Tory or, or the Amex or, or Century or something. But um, yeah, I, I've so far I've only got uh, who is it? Fitzy, Fitzy, Jason Day, and one further down that. I'm falling out of love with, but I, I like the number and it's Matsuyama. I just think he played well last week. Um, yep. But when I, <laughs> maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I, 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 I shot down Scheffler cause he can't putt and, and Hideki's equally as bad, but I guess I'm not paying, you know, eight to one on Hideki, but right. I mean, just if he's as, I mean, 7.3 strokes T to green last week at, at uh, Tory, I'll take that all day. Um, Show me a flash. Show me flashes. Maybe he gets hot with his putter. Maybe he doesn't, but I think it's worth the risk. Same here. I had a 65 to one. It looks like there are seventies out there. Um, Just, just classic Hideki stuff at the farmers from the blistering round two, where he makes his first ever (laughs) hole in one on the PGA tour. And then these brutal agonizing, just stretches of, 
bad bogeys and failing to get up and down. He basically went all the way back to even par and then somehow made like five birdies on the back nine in a row on Sunday to, to finish. Well, um, classic Hideki stuff. I'm back on the bandwagon though. Plus four on approach last week, lost it all back with the putter. No course history here really to speak of for Hideki. Not someone that normally plays this event, but did top 20 at the U S open. Um, he had the, actually the best numbers in the field from hundred to 125 yards. So he's been really proficient with his wedges now. And another thing that I noticed on Hideki, um, and this may have, you know, it kind of leans into my talk about Jordan Spieth coming into the season, pretty prepared. He plays really well in the beginning of the season. He has eight career wins. Um, five of those career wins I noticed have come in this stretch from January to April, I think it somewhat speaks to his preparation early in the season and could also mean he has some fatigue to end the season because of that. Only two of those wins in his entire career have come from June 1st to December 30th. So he basically when the summer hits, he's not winning, but he's winning a lot early in the season. I think that could be, you know, maybe something indicative that he's out prepped players to start the season. Um, and maybe some of that fatigue to end, but also on Hideki at 65 to one, I'm going to take that price when he's continuing to ball strike it well, and just hope that you land on a decent putting week for Hideki. It's pretty much all. Yeah. That's all you're doing with Hideki. I mean, going back to his results, he, he's also has a lot of injuries throughout his career. Um, and you know, wear and tear as, as the summer goes on, it could definitely grind him down. So maybe, you know, a little off season comes in refreshed. I just, I mean, I like Eric Cole. I think Henley's good and, you know, Tom Kim's good. But like when Hideki's priced, a Hideki who's playing well is priced in a similar area to them. I'm just going to take who I perceive to be the far better player. Um, so I, that's kind of how I usually build my cards is who is who seems out mispriced and, and fire away there. Like, I just don't understand. I know Bo Hostler has plenty of history here. Um, I just don't understand his price. I yeah. wish Poston was a a lot longer odds than, you know, the, the fifties and sixties you can get on him, but right. um, he's been someone, a lot of people have been betting, you know, through the Sony and the Amex. He's, he just seems to top 10 every tournament he plays in, but 60 so is, dialed. what are we seeing here on the board here? I don't, I have uh, for JT. I saw JT posting at 55, yeah, but there's a lot of 45s out there. So it just seems he's, he's great. I think data golf has him as like a top 15 or top 20 player in the world, which right. Could be true, but I'm still not there yet. I'd rather see him clean up at like, you know, those Wyndham, those lesser tournaments. So um, I just bypass names that don't seem to fit in the group. And when you when you land on a Hideki, again, who's playing well, that's when I'll fire. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much to add in terms of outrights after this, but I, I definitely could, could contribute some, you know, top 10, top 20s, which... I know you like to hit your long shots, Joe, but I I found some success in the top twenty markets this year. Absolutely, everyone puts in a, a ton of research and ton of effort, and there's only one winner every week. So um, when you're you know you're combing through the data and picking out guys you think are going to play well, you I can't stress it enough. And coming from someone who worked at a sports book, trust me when I say you know the outright market is definitely watched a lot more closely than the top 10s, top 20s, top 40 markets. So yeah, um, you can definitely, uh, you can definitely find some numbers, you know, as the market adjusts, maybe someone forgot to go and change the top 20 or the top 40 markets. So 
you can definitely get some value um, by just you know clicking a few. You know, go to the top finishes page. If 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 the order of players doesn't line up, someone's probably uh, falling asleep at the wheel. Are you looking? So obviously those numbers are correlated. When I do top twenties or even top forties, which I've experimented with as well and had some success, I'm looking for plus money. Like I'm not going to take victor hovland to top 20 this week it's typically not my style i'm looking for anyone who's up there like plus money on those type of bets is that how you found the best success attacking them or do you go to the top and maybe drop me like before i get you out of here a name or two that you like this week in those sort of positional markets uh yeah no i i look at you know even money i'll pay like minus 115 minus 120 on like a top 40 that i like um yeah. and obviously if you're getting ties, you're going to probably pay a little bit more uh, juice on the, if ties are included, which these offerings have started to pop up a lot more. I know bet three, six, five is now doing um, top finishes with and without ties. So um, depending on the event, I'll probably pay a little bit more juice on ties. Um, unfortunately, no top forties this week, just because the field is so uh, small, but like JT Poston uh, top 20 at plus plus one forty five with ties doesn't seem that outrageous um and i'm just looking at the board you know hideki's shorter top 20 odds than than poston is but you can get matsuyama at longer odds to win so this is where like you know they are correlated obviously there's some players who are more susceptible to finishing top 20 than others but um you can definitely find value um you know just perusing the rest and not just staring at the outright market but like post poston at a top 20 is, is I feel like that's a decent, decent look. Um, I don't really know who else here we got. I mean, Nick Taylor. I got. I think I got to back my my Canadian brethren. Got to um, at a at a tournament. He's he's won. He's playing well. I'm seeing plus one eighty seven on a on a top twenty and, and minus one fifteen on a top thirty. So, um, yeah, that's probably will be added to the card at some point as well. Um, anyone anyone for you? I know like. This is this is where you got to go, you know, Brandon Todd's of the world, Christian Bezaden, how, you know, those those chippers, those putters that uh, tend to do well here. Absolutely. Chippers and putters like you've got to have a hot putter in this range. I do like Nick Taylor. I've got interest in Denny. I'm still kind of finalizing my long shots. Um, I'm going to have that piece will be I'll save a little bit and bury the lead slightly. I'll save the video that's going to come out tomorrow uh, with my three or four long shots picks. But um, absolutely like extremely sound advice on betting those top 20s and top 40s. If you like a name, continue to play them, especially if you see plus money in those particular markets eric like it was super informative it was fun to catch up with you i thank you i wish you all the best it was great that uh i finally was able to bug you enough to come on the show and it was great talking to you man i wish you wish you all the best and tell everyone we're sort of where they can find you and some more of your content yeah no if um all my content's on the score the score app um more than just content, news, sports, all, all the good stuff. Very popular up here in Canada. Maybe hasn't made its way down to the States, but I'd recommend it. But yeah, I do. I, I want to thank you for having me on. It's It's been fun. I haven't been able to chop it up in a couple of years. Um, appreciate you allowing me to, you know, brush off the rust and get back into it. It's uh, it's something I've missed. And, you know, I truthfully don't know how you do it every week. I, I can respect the grind. It's um you know you're you're obviously flourishing and, and doing well at it so i i, I can uh, 
um, acknowledge when uh, I can see someone like you working as hard as you do. So yeah, yeah, keep it, keep it up. I'm not here to just pump your tires, but you're, you're obviously crushing it too. Thanks buddy. Um, great to talk to you. Wish you all the best and appreciate your time tonight. Uh, we'll talk soon, pal. Appreciate it. Thanks dude. See you dude. All right, guys, thank you so much for checking out the show tonight. Um, quick little like just what I've got for you on final thoughts. Help me out. Help me fill this one and done contest. If you're here on YouTube, there is a link below um, in the YouTube description to join the contest. It's 100 bucks. You can enter up to five times. Um, it's really important to me to try to help out my new partners. I've done so with Roto Baller. The promo code is in there as well below if you want to join that team. Um, Anytime that you're able to do these types of things, I am greatly appreciative and it helps sort of keep gas in the tank for me in terms of keeping this show going and continuing to book fantastic guests and try my best every week to, to bring you the best golf content that I possibly can. So I appreciate all of you for your support. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me a DM. Control what you can control, right? Just keep those couple of things in mind. We're in control of nothing outside of ourselves. I thought you know, it was funny. I had someone talk to me earlier today about um, like sort of they were just going off claiming ownership of their property. And I, I I walked away and I thought more about it. And I'm like, you don't own anything like you think you're in control of your property. You're not. I live in South Florida. Uh, it is a running season every year that my house could be completely leveled in Florida. It could jump into a sinkhole. The ocean could take it like you're totally out of control of so many things in your life that you will find much more happiness if you let some of that control go and just focus on what you can do today to make yourself incrementally better. Focus on long-term process goals for yourself. And I hope that you all have a great week. It's time. Like, it's time to hit a winner. I really like Jordan Spieth. I'm going to make my other decision at the top uh, later this week. I will have the full card out Wednesday. Long shots video up tomorrow. You guys are the absolute best for checking out the Preferred Lines program. Once again, my name is Joe Idoni. I'm going to catch you next week with a big show for the Waste Management Phoenix Open and Super Bowl week. I'm out of here. Peace, gang. Love y'all. Later. Mm -hmm.